Hello and welcome to the Dear Citrus Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Hodgen, and I'm a food and beverage lover. From design to development and all the in-between, this podcast is about my life as a 20-something-year-old navigating the ups and downs of the everyday. So grab a cup of matcha or your favorite functional beverage, get cozy, and let's dive in. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 7 a.m. EST for a brand new episode. Hello, Drew and Emily. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I would love for you guys to introduce yourself and introduce Resist and the work you're doing over there. Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Drew, and we're the co-founders of Resist. We make plant-based science-backed nutrition bars that help stabilize and manage blood sugar. But blood sugar is not just people who have diabetes or pre-diabetes. Blood sugar is a benefit and a problem for everybody because it is so important to keep our blood sugar stable as it can affect things like stress, tiredness, the way that we look and feel. Um, And when we found that firsthand ourselves dealing with our own health issues, we teamed up with our medical advisory board to make resist and go on this mission to make it easy to eat for stable blood sugar on the go. That's amazing. And I would love to hear just like about both of your backgrounds. Like how did you start a company? I know you both are like very young and this is just like kind of a crazy space to be in. So how did you get here? We met in college. So met at NYU. Um, I had been going through my own personal health crisis, had realized that a big part of my journey with PCOS, with insulin resistance, which totally can explain that if if you want me to, was um, that you know, healing my my body's reaction to foods and and understanding the brain gut connection and really fueling myself better on the go instead of either going hungry or eating things I knew would make me feel worse. And this was all an alternative to a path that I had previously gone down, which was total pharmaceutical. Birth control covered up my symptoms, spironolactone, metformin, um, and really led me down a path of, you know, healing the the symptom and not the cause. Um, And right at the start, when Emily and I connected through NYU's Entrepreneurial Institute, we were like, oh my gosh, we we are in the same boat. We are communicating and and understanding each other on such a level that just took like a, you know, baseline of personal kind of pain and understanding, which I think Mm -hmm. so many women have gone through and can relate to. But at a higher level, like becoming our own health advocates and really understanding the things we put into our body and the, the things we put around our body and even further the things in our environment. So we connected like that. And then I'll let Emily take it from here after we met. Yeah. So just a little background. I was getting my master's in food studies at NYU. Always been interested in the startup food space and the better for you food space. So when Drew and I connected, it was just like all of our worlds coming together in one. Um, so we kicked off with our initial product. And as we've grown, we've launched more products, ran a clinical trial, have a medical advisory board, um, and have just been trying to expand the education on hormone and blood sugar health through healthy snacking. That's amazing. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about both of your journeys with insulin resistance and hormone issues and all that, because I know I've gone through my own personal journey with it. And funny enough, it happened during college as well. And I kind of had this moment, Drew, you were saying like, yeah, I was looking at the food I was eating and everything in my environment. And you realize like, there are so many things that you need to change and swap out. And I would just love for you guys to like talk through it a little bit and tell me more about like how you really realized that what you were putting in your body was having this like direct connection to how you were feeling. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I wish that I could say it was a linear experience, but I didn't want it to be what it ended up being, which was mm-hmm. this, you know, huge lifestyle change. Instead, I wanted to go for the quick fix. And I think it's mm-hmm. a really natural response. And I used to be really hard on myself about that. But looking back, I was in college. I was diagnosed when I was 18. It was kind of like a traumatic, I mean, I wouldn't say traumatic, but for anybody who has been diagnosed with PCOS, they will know that one of the indicators, uh, there's three indicators, and one of them is um, actual, I say cysts in quotations because they're really more like uh, enlarged follicles on your ovaries. Mm -hmm. But it's polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, so I think it's easy for people to understand them when you say, I had cysts on my ovaries. Um, But that is, it's more deep than that. It always is. Um, And then another symptom, another, you know, designator for a PCOS diagnosis is irregular periods and an abnormal hormonal panel. So getting... Getting the first two there, the hormonal panel, the the irregular periods, very easy. You can find that out in a pretty painless way. But the actual finding out if you have have these cysts on your ovaries involves um, a vaginal ultrasound. So was not very, and I hope it's okay if I say this, not very sexually experienced at the age of 18. And having a vaginal ultrasound, I didn't even really think about it. Ultrasounds to me were like what we saw on TV, like on the belly. Um, So I didn't ask any questions. I didn't think too hard before going into the room and had always considered myself like a pretty confident person, especially in a medical setting because my dad's a doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet (laughs) I was completely surprised by the, the vaginal ultrasound because they do actually stick a wand up um, into your cervix and to look at your ovaries. So it was it was scary. I think at that age, like you think you're invincible. I had just started college. I was halfway through my freshman year, and yeah, it was it was it's crazy to get that diagnosis at that age where you feel like nothing can hurt you. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, I felt that way, but on the other hand, I was really glad to finally have a diagnosis. I think. There were so many things, and now Emily and I talk a lot about this, of like, these symptoms are common. They're not normal, but we have just agreed that it's okay to have acne. It's okay to have hair loss. It's okay to be constantly tired. It's okay to be constantly in fight or flight or stressed. Um, it's con- it's okay to be constantly bloated. Like, all of these things have been normalized because they are so common. And so it did feel good to have a diagnosis and to have have a name to put to all of these things that I was going through um, rather than just be like, I guess this is just what it is to be a woman, <laughs> which is a horrible answer and really puts the blame on you as a person, which is not fair. Um, it was good to have a diagnosis, but looking back, knowing what I know now, I know that there are people who don't reach diagnosis level, but who still deal with the exact same problems. And we kind of give this a blanket, like, oh, it's a hormonal imbalance, um, which is not necessarily the most helpful thing versus, you know, okay, you have a diagnosis, here's a plan. Um, and in that moment, getting, you know, pharmaceutical treatment to start. Um, and that's a problem that I've talked a lot about with, you know, my family as a daughter of a um, gynecologist, obstetrician, of like the way that you and your colleagues diagnose this and then also treat it is is not the full picture. It's so hard to get the full picture in a seven minute meeting with a doctor, which is normally what we get. And so that's something that we're also working towards um, from an education standpoint is 
you know, being able to give the whole picture of the holistic approach, uh, trying that, exhausting all of those options before turning to pharmaceuticals that have symptoms that are, I mean, you've seen the full list on TikTok mm-hmm. of people like rolling out the like birth control symptom document. It's, you know, and, and we look back on college, which is already a very stressful time, but looking back, I'm like, you know, when going straight on birth control, going on spironolactone, which is a diuretic, very not good to go on a diuretic when you're drinking and you're in college. Um, mm-hmm. And then also birth control, which has, you know, di- depression is a major symptom. And, you know, looking back and wondering, what would it have been like? Would I have had a happier experience had I not been doing those things? Um, and just if I had had all the information, if I had known that that could have been potential, if I had, you know, been able to speak to somebody, I think the way that we deal with um, medical diagnosis, I wish it was closer to like, and like going on to different medications. I wish this was closer to like going to college or getting a job where it's like, oh, let me talk to someone who worked there before to see what their experience was like. You know, Mm -hmm. let me get an idea of what the daily activities look like. If there was a similar thing for going on new medications or, you know, birth control, for example, I want to talk to someone who's been on it. I want to talk to someone who can tell me about the symptoms. How will this affect my daily life? Like, what is the worst case scenario? What's best case scenario versus what we do, which is just like take it and think it's normal and normalize all the symptoms that come with it. I couldn't agree more. And it's so interesting how similar our stories are. And Emily, before I ask you about yours, I just want to say it made me laugh when you were – or not laugh because it's it's not a fun experience. But you getting the ultrasound, I had the exact same thing happen to me while I was in college. And remember I got there and I was like, oh, it's a normal ultrasound. Like it's going to be fine. And then I was sitting there and I was like, what the fuck? And <laughs> it, like it was just so shocking. And after that, I was like, I'm asking every single question that comes to mind before I'm – in any medical setting. And I think like, even though that was such a weird experience, it did help me be a lot more confident when it came to like asking questions. Cause through this time I was having tons of like hormone issues, but I had gotten diagnosed with chronic migraines and I was dealing with that and kind of went the whole pharmaceutical route. And like you were saying, went on these medications that were like diuretics or made me depressed or anxious. And I was like, this isn't helpful while I'm in college. And, you know, it's not helpful at any point, but it was certainly bad then. And then I kind of went the holistic route, but I love what you're saying of like, you know, you exhaust the holistic options and then you can move into things and asking the questions and you should be able to learn more information because it is true. Like, remember when I got diagnosed with chronic migraines, I'm like looking stuff up and it's all like, we don't know why they happen. And like, there's no information out there. And I'm like, well, I feel like you guys know something. And, you know, (laughs) I think going to college for like learning about what you're going through would be so helpful. And Emily, I would just like love to hear your perspective on all this. If you were, if you've dealt with something personally in your life that kind of pushed you towards resist as well, I know it's quite a universal experience for women. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm still going through my own hormonal imbalance journey. When I got off birth control, I randomly gained 20 to 30 pounds. Don't know where it came from. I can't lose it either. I've grew up like eating super well focus on veggies, clean protein, and doing all the right workouts and recovery. But for some reason, my body's just holding on to the weight. And all the doctors say, your blood work looks normal. You're fine. Like, it is what it is. Just accept this new body. When I know this isn't me, I don't feel my best. Like, I don't feel like me. And there has to be some more – there has to be an underlying issue. So now going the functional medicine route, I feel like (laughs) – 
traditionally we have to be be okay with the answer of I don't know or like it is what it is. Yes. Because doctors only do so much testing. But I mean, it isn't okay. It isn't just it is what it is. There is so much more. And if your body is reacting in a way that's clearly trying to tell you that there's a stressor and there's something wrong, we need to get to the bottom of it. So going through functional medicine, being able to do more blood work that goes a deeper level and reads different labs that traditional medicine doesn't has been so key through my whole process. And just again, like leaning in towards how you're feeling, reflecting on that and really putting emphasis on recovery and not overdoing things, especially when it comes to a discomfort and weight, not Mm -hmm. eating less, working out more. Because at this point, I think the evidence is pretty strong that that only does more harm than good. And for me personally, also wouldn't see a result from doing that. Um, It's really just like nourishing yourself. And that's another thing. I feel like nowadays, a lot of us look at food as a punishment versus a reward when we need food to sustain us for our bodies to function. Like we need food. Restricting food isn't going to help in any situation unless like, yeah, it's processed junk food. But at the end of the day, like eating the right food, you're not going to want to restrict. Like you shouldn't need to restrict. That's what's healing you. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And you bringing up this thing, I feel like I've heard it so many times of doctors being like, we don't know, or like, you know, just kind of deal with whatever you're going through. Like I, this happened to me a couple months ago where I went to the OGBYN because I was like, I'm having issues with my periods and whatever. And she was like, "Mm, we don't know. Like it's normal for every woman to like not be able to get up off the couch during their like menstrual cycle because they're in pain. And I'm sitting there like, are you kidding me? Like, and then it killed me because at the end of it, I'm like, so is there anything I can do? Like, is there anything I can like take to help with the pain? And she was like, you can take like nine Advil every four hours. And I was like, I would have liver failure in like a week. So I I hear you on that. And like this idea of, you know, to continue nourishing your body, even if maybe you're not quite happy where it's at and whether that's like a weight thing or just how you feel in general, because I know like a lot of people that have talked to you, like friends and colleagues and stuff, when we talk about hormones and weight and things like that, it always comes back to like, oh, well, you should eat healthier. And like, you could do this and that. And like, maybe it's what you're eating. And I'm like, well, I think at the end of the day, like a full belly is better than like one that is so focused on health foods. And I thought that was such an interesting point that you brought up. And I can tell you both have follow-up points to this as well. No, literally. It, uh, we are all, I think, on the same wavelength here. It's it's incredibly frustrating to live in a society that is so focused on our women's bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also frustrating from the standpoint of, you know, for a lot of women, their their income is, is also connected to the way that they look and their weight. Absolutely. Um, and confidence. It's it's right there in, in our society of, of fat phobia that we – we'll lose confidence when our body changes rather than thinking this is natural. Um, Mm -hmm. And the whole like what is normal and what is natural is very different. Um, And it it frustrates me also that, you know, looking on the other side as Emily and I both have very close friends who are in medical school and I feel badly that they are not learning about nutrition. I feel sad that they are not learning about the holistic treatments because for example, with the pain, it's like the pain is a symptom. 
mm-hmm. and the Advil is treating the symptom and not the cause versus there are so many great holistic treatments that over time, and it's slow and it takes time, but will work to help with things like that, to make easier periods that are all natural and usually not that expensive. Um, but that's not funded by pharmaceutical companies that are paying for research and getting great results because they're doing all this research versus a lot of these holistic supplements um, or even you know, variations on those things, combinations um, are just not doing the same amount of research. And so it makes sense why these doctors are going down that route, because when you look at all of their, their data, and they have these databases designed for doctors for basically ongoing education, so that doctors who went to school, to medical school 20, 25 years ago, or more, are still able to stay updated on the latest treatments. But of course, mm-hmm. those databases, the treatments that pop up are usually pharmaceutical treatments versus, you know, oh, you know, maybe if you tried a myocryoinositol, let's see how that works and let's monitor that and let's see you in three months and let's see how you feel. Or adding in red raspberry leaf tea or chaseberry, let's see how you feel after that. Like, but it's a lot more to ask of someone to make a tea every day or make their own blend of a tea every day. Um, versus taking taking a pill right when they need it, um, versus remembering to do something every day at the same time, a little harder. But I do think, you know, as a woman, we have been conditioned to do that because of birth control pill. Absolutely. So it does, it does frustrate me. And, and I think at its core, like I think we in this country talk a lot about education and like the power of knowledge. Um, we don't talk about it so much as it pertains to health because it's not something that we put an emphasis on in our own education. Um, so I think we see that as well with doctors and and they're the root cause of kind of the education problem and the diagnosis problem and the treatment problem that we have being so symptom-based, not cause-based. If we just changed our our education of doctors. If we just added in, you know, a week-long nutrition course or a two-week-long holistic education course, um, then I think we would have, uh, you know, more opportunity for people to start with the holistic approach versus starting with the pharmaceutical um, symptom approach. I I couldn't agree more. And it's so interesting you say that because back in what what was this like three years ago now I went off birth control after being on it for like eight or nine years like way too long and I remember because I was having just like insane symptoms like my body was very clearly being like you got to change something and so I went off of it and I remember like going back and being like you know I haven't gotten my period in you know however long I think it was like two three months and you know what am I supposed to do and she was immediately like well you could just like get an IUD like you could just go on another form of birth control and I was like I know like from my own research and talking to other people that that's like so not healthy. And so I remember I was talking to one of my friends and I had gone to acupuncture for migraines like back in college. And my friend was like – and I had moved like since I – since all that. And my friend was like, oh, I go to this acupuncturist. You should check him out, all this. And I remember I went and one session she was like – I can do on this, this, and this point, and you'll get your period tomorrow. And I was like, yeah, okay, like, sure, whatever. And I left, and then the next day I got my period, and it was, like, regular since then. And I was like, yeah, so regular doctors need to learn all this because 
this is ridiculous that like I would have put myself through so much more like pain and money and suffering when I could have done one simple thing via the holistic route. And I'm curious if you both have any favorite holistic treatments or just like things in the holistic space that you find really interesting that you could share. Oh my God. I feel like Emily has a million, but I do (laughs) want to comment on, on one thing you said previously that like, honestly, I feel like nobody knows about this. I couldn't find it anywhere when, when it happened to me. I was like, has anybody ever talked about this? Because it's about the birth control ring, which is a less Mm -hmm. popular form of birth control I know, but it was the only form of birth control that worked for me. Um, in a time when I felt like I just truly needed that, not when I was not with yes. a regular partner and I was dating and just, you know, I think especially in New York City, we have this like culture of like, you know, we cannot get pregnant. Right, exactly. Nobody has time. Yeah, no has time for that. <laughs> and like um, definitely was going through that. And I had been on the birth control ring for two years and I for almost a year was having problems with bleeding. Um, just complete, complete problems. I went into my gynecologist. She was like, that's, that's normal. It's probably just, um, you know, having, she she said that having sex basically is causing trauma to the cervix because, you know, I didn't like that phrasing either. I see your faces because it's like, when you think of what is trauma, you know, is trauma in a, you know, for, for a practitioner sense, is that just like, you know, pressure or like, you know, the same way that you buy like a little pat that is that like considered trauma. Who's to say? Not a doctor here, but I was right. like, okay, like I guess it's just that. Went to another gynecologist like a half a year later and she was like, oh no, it's because the birth control ring is localized hormones, which means that it's causing, it's a foreign object in your, like next to your cervix. And so your cervix is very sensitive now because it's mm-hmm. very um, like sensitive to to touch and you will bleed like anytime you touch it basically. And so nobody's talking about that. Like it's literally like our bodies don't want this. Like, and that was just the birth control ring, which is very easy to take out versus let's say an IUD, which is also Mm -hmm. for an object, which is very hard to take out and very painful. So that was my little aside of like birth control ring. So interesting. Seems like this great thing because, you know, it's localized. It's not affecting a lot of the other symptoms that you will get with like a full body, you know, contraceptive pill. That literally was so nuts. So crazy. I can't find that information anywhere. So if anybody is on the birth control ring that's listening and has had a problem with this, you are totally not crazy. If your gynecologist isn't, you know, validating those concerns, it's could be could be an opportunity to to look for a different type of birth control or move towards which I don't know why I had this fear in college of of like condoms aren't enough I need more than one <laughs> like what what yeah, where did that I need come more from? I have no idea I I understand that yeah I I haven't heard anything about the ring and it's funny that you say like the first gynecologist was like yeah it's normal because I had the same thing I think I was bleeding for like a month and a half straight and they were like totally normal like don't worry about it and I was like right on like yeah this is normal and like didn't do anything until like three months later when I was like "Mm, I feel like I'm dying like it's so not great but yeah it's weird how we're just like told that like these things are normal and we're like well we have no other way to like prove them wrong and like they must know more than we do so you know we just kind of stay here yeah and from personal experience 
I initially went on birth control because I didn't want to get a period, which is so ignorant. And that goes against your whole body's process. But so like would rather put up with those horrible symptoms for however many months just to not get a period, which at the end of the day kind of wreaks havoc on your system instead of kind of getting to the root cause, figuring out what's causing painful periods, dealing with a period for what, five to seven days. And honestly, like I love getting my period now. (laughs) Same. Is it time yet? I know. I I understand that. And I did the exact same thing. I remember I was like 15 and I think I had just gotten my period and I was like, mom, I don't want this anymore. Like we got to go and like do something about this. And like the doctor just was like, yeah, sure. Here's a prescription for birth control. No questions asked. And now I think about it and I was like, that was insane of everybody. Crazy. It's also like children can't make those decisions. Like I was 13 when I went on birth control. I was in no position to be making that decision for myself. I didn't care about the consequences. I didn't get to learn about the symptoms or what it might feel like. I didn't get like a, oh, let's check in in six months and see how you're feeling Mm -hmm. appointment. Like I just was like, oh, great. Like you think it's going to get rid of my acne? You think it's going to like stop my period? Like gung-ho, let's do it. Like without – being able to really make an educated decision about that. Yeah, it was almost like a rite of passage back then, but I feel like now it's changing to like, I get my period and I know how to treat myself during each cycle. Like I understand my body so much more. I couldn't agree more. Like I feel like now that I'm getting it regularly or semi-regularly, I feel so much more connected to myself. And I'm like, okay, you know, if I'm feeling – whatever, like down, kind of sad, kind of depressed this week. It's because it's this stage of my cycle and like that's to be expected. So I can kind of plan my life better. Whereas I feel like when I was on birth control, I was just a hot mess all the time because I didn't know what was happening ever. And I also feel like getting your period gives you like this nice like cycle to your month where you're like, okay, I kind of know like where I am with my body. You feel more in touch with it as well. Totally. And I would kind of going back to just like holistic wellness habits and things like that, seeing that like we've all dealt with like these crazy symptoms. We've all come off of birth control. I'm curious like what you have done to really kind of ease yourself off of it or maybe you found it later down the road. Yeah, I will say everyone's different. So this is what I've been doing for me. Sunlight first thing in the morning. And then I love to work out first thing in the morning. I – if I don't move – my body first thing in the morning, like my digestion's off. I'm not fully awake. I'm not fully with it. I need to have a little bit of movement in the beginning. Um, And then a lot of water. We love water, but it's super important now to add minerals to it um, because so much of our water is stripped from effective minerals that our body needs. And then really putting an emphasis on protein that helps keep you full, helps your hormones a lot of veggies. And recently I've been getting into my acupressure mat, which is a fun little wind down thing to do at night. It hurt so much the first time, but now I'm used to it. It feels so good. Um, What else? And I just love playing around with different herbs, different teas, loose leaf teas. Go for the loose leaves, not the packets. Those usually Mm -hmm. microplastics. Um, And yeah, and really leaning into food as medicine. So whether it's taking two Brazil nuts a day or drinking spearmint tea or taking a shot of apple cider vinegar before a meal, um, those are all hacks I love. And also switching from plastic containers to glass, getting rid of plastic cutting boards, um, not using the microwave. 
what else? I think that's pretty much it. Also, with products, um, fragrant-free products, really le- leaning into clean products, no candles, scented candles, those not a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't want to seem too high maintenance. <laughs> no, I feel like it's funny you say high maintenance because I that's pretty much how I live and I feel high maintenance. But then I think about it and I'm like, this shouldn't be viewed as high maintenance when it's like the very, in some ways, like bare minimum that we're doing to like make sure our health isn't, you know, off the rails. Yeah. Yes. There is a podcast called Fatal Inconveniences or Fatal, yeah, which I think is such a great title, but the podcast host he talks about all these fatal inconveniences we've had through like or fatal conveniences and how plastic tupperware is a convenience but how problematic it is or whether it's um cosmetics or like clothes that aren't cotton and just the simplicity of being able to pick something from a supermarket because it's there but the inconvenience it has on us on the environment on our finances long term I think it's such a great name now that I can fully remember it right now. I couldn't agree more. It, yeah, it's it's crazy when I when when I was going through this migraine journey that was simultaneously with my hormones and I was I had switched so much of my diet over and I had, you know, found out like what was working for me better and at the same time I was like, okay, well, no more plastic Tupperware, switch to all glass and like kind of and like switch to loose leaf teas. I remember I think Drew you mentioned raspberry leaf tea. Love yeah. that. Take it all the time or drink it all the time and then it got to the point where I was like looking at my household and I was like cleaning products I have to switch candles I'm tossing like I didn't really use scented products but I found some laying around I was like can't use those and like it's wild and it is a fatal convenience that's such a good name because you don't realize like how many things around us are set up to like not protect our health and not protect our hormones yeah and once you go down this journey being near a scented candle, being near Bath and Body Works, or even going down the detergent aisle, like, I get a headache. I cannot mm-hmm. go down those aisles of the stores. I'm so sensitive now to that. And it, you really realize how much it affects you. I Absolutely. I agree. I And it's hard because, like, I look back on kind of, like, the beginning of my journey with all of this, and it was – I'm someone who gets stressed out very easily and my stress is so linked to the rest of my life and my body and I can feel it. Um, but but I came to the realization that like the more that I knew and the more that I understood, I really – I didn't want to be like, I have to throw everything out. I'll just use it up until I'm finished and then I'll buy something new. And I really did want to do that. But I don't use things up that quickly, I guess. And like – Honestly, the things that I still had that had a lot of fragrance and a lot of chemicals were just stressing me out. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of came to the realization that I actually just need to throw them out um, because I did have plenty of crap. Like I was not one of those that in the beginning of this journey was already leaning more towards kind of like the nicer, cleaner products. I had like bad stuff. Um, and so it took a while. It, it took a while to like get up the courage to just like pitch it. And in some places I just had to completely start over. Um, but it felt better to me to do that than to, when using those products, have all of this stress knowing mm-hmm. what it would do. And it really hurts with gifts. And I think coming yeah. up on gifting season, or I don't know when this is going to come out, but it's currently pre uh, like holiday. And mm-hmm. so- it's hard because I still get gifts from friends and family that are 
scented products and right. hair care and skincare and lotions. And I have tried to kind of hint that this is my new lifestyle, but it can be hard for people to understand. And there are plenty of products that do have greenwashing or clean washing that are yeah. really not that good. Um, and my mom won't recognize that. And she'll think she did something really good by buying me something super clean. And it's too heartbreaking to to have yeah. to undo that and have to tell her that. And I think for anybody listening who is kind of going through that, it's it's okay to just smile and take it and know that you'll either give it away or sell it or do whatever, um, give it to a good home because it is tough to to follow all of these rules. And and I think it's it's tough in a general sense that we have to become experts in this in order to take care of our health, that we have to start to know what all these chemicals on labels mean. And we have to look at every ingredient panel, but it's also hard for the people around us. And I especially remember with my roommates scratching up all of the um, ceramic pans and then I would refuse to use them and they'd be like, you're crazy. It's like, just be crazy. Just do what you want. Right. Just buy your stainless steel, like buy your glass it's- containers. <laughs> yeah. And it's also crazy to like call yourselves crazy for wanting to take care of yourself. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like yeah. it's easier to put plastics in the microwave and it seeps into your food and then you're eating that but that's just like deemed as normal these days. Whereas I'd rather take the time to heat it in the oven or on the stove. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I was, when you said crazy, I was like, it's so true. Like women and anybody who's looking after their hormones is like very much painted as crazy. And if you're not, you know, using the same products as everybody else, it's like, oh, like she's like a granola cruncher. Like what is she doing? And on the topic, you brought up greenwashing and clean washing. This is something that like, I think about all the time and it's probably because I work in marketing and but it's just like you don't realize like what's in a lot of the products that you consume and you think these companies are being transparent but they're not being transparent and I just saw this post on Instagram and it was like here's all of the like quote unquote clean companies that have been bought out by like larger companies like Procter and Gamble or whomever and I was looking at it and I was like you would never know if you didn't see this information somewhere you think it's the same thing and I'm curious, like, do you guys have any tips of, like, how you really can tell, like, if a product is clean and is good for you and you feel comfortable using it? With that, I will say it's hard because I don't think people recognize why being bought out is an issue. So that's number one. But then number two, I can really speak mostly to food. It's reading the ingredients. Some of those Mm -hmm. companies, when they start off super clean, once they get bought out, the ingredients totally change and it is a completely different product um, because they just want cheap product to protect the margins, but the name's already been built that people are willing to pay a premium. But so with food, reading the ingredients, if it is a word of letters that you don't know how to pronounce, probably not good for you. If there are 40 plus ingredients, not good for you. Just making sure like, you understand what's going into your body. My mom calls my sister a marketer's wet dream because she is. If it's like marketed as something, she totally believes it, she'll buy it. And just don't be a marketer's wet dream because that means they're doing their job well and they're trying to hide something. Right. And they've, they've done a good job at, of hiding it and sucked you in. Yeah. Another big thing for the ingredient labels is there are so – like critical thinking is unfortunately needed in the situation because there are so many ingredients 
that sound healthy. Two mm-hmm. good examples is natural flavors and vegetable glycerin. One has the word natural. The other has the word vegetable. They both sound like they're really good for you. But I mean, and this is honestly a shocker because like before getting into the food space, before meeting Emily and really starting Resist and seeing the back end of everything, I thought that that stuff was good too. And I wouldn't have thought twice about natural flavors um, or vegetable glycerin for that matter. But when you actually delve into what those things are, they're for natural flavors, it's proprietary blends with ingredients that maybe were originally derived from natural sources, but now have been basically completely changed. Um, And have found to have things like sugar alcohols and and other things like that in it, um, which has got disruptive and you know can be damaging for hormonal health. Um, and then vegetable glycerin, which vegetable, what is that? Um, right. You might know glycerin, which is a very common skincare ingredient, um, but because it says vegetable in front, we think that's a healthy ingredient. It comes from a vegetable. It's a sugar alcohol. It is just a sugar alcohol. And the the alarming part is that so many brands don't even know what it is. Like mm-hmm. there are there are brands out there with vegetable glycerin on the ingredient panel that say on their website or on their packaging, no sugar alcohols. They don't even know. So it's the disconnect between the people who make food and the marketers and the brand people and the owners they don't even know what's in their products. And and I think a big factor of it, um, like Emily said, is like they got bought out and the people behind are trying to make the product cheaper. That's why products that are like, people are always saying, oh, the healthier products are always so expensive. It's like, that's because small people, small, 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 small people, not small people, small brands, <laughs> we're big people, um, small brands don't have the money to make their brand, to make their product less expensive while the ingredients are so expensive. Because mm-hmm. they're making a product with really quality ingredients. And Emily and I have had this prop this conversation before of like, you know, we want to be accessible. We want people to be able to buy us and take care of their health without having to like spend an arm and a leg. But where we are now at the very beginning, when we are not buying a crazy amount in bulk, when we're still learning and growing and and gaining new retailers and that's that's the moment where things are going to be the most expensive, and we really hope that as you know we grow and change, um, that we'll be able to lower our prices and still keep the same quality. But I think that's why you see so many of these healthy organic brands that are like really expensive because it's just mm-hmm. so hard to get those ingredients to be a reasonable price and not sacrifice quality. Yeah, and Absolutely. that being said, too, there's the idea of paying for a higher end product that's good for you now versus sticking with the low quality of the cheap ingredients, but then paying for it later down in medications and healthcare costs. I'd personally rather support small businesses that are trying to do something good and good food. I love eating. Like I'd rather pay, put my money towards food that will support me and my system versus a medication that doesn't Absolutely. taste good. I yeah when you guys were saying that before I was thinking the same thing because I was like it's so much easier to like invest the money now into products that you know are going to continue to make you feel good instead of just kind of like flying by the seat of your pants buying whatever is in front of you and then dealing with the consequences later and I would love to like jump into resist and here because we've talked so much about like you know, there's all these products out there that like, you don't know what the heck is in them. The brand is like very disconnected from the product, but you guys are obviously the complete opposite of this. And I would love you guys to talk through Resist, the products, the ingredients, and just like how you got to where you are. 
Yeah, love to. I feel like, you know, we could talk your ear off forever about resist because, you know, we're so deep in it and and really appreciate that, you know, we're a two-person team. So like we are so happy that we are like a part of everything. We we have, you know, our fingers in every single pot. So we're lucky in that sense, but you know, that that's what it is to to like start a business from scratch. It's like we have the the privilege to know everything um, that goes mm-hmm. into the product. And and I think it's something we've learned is we just need to keep that up. And I think coming from it from a perspective of like, we had this problem and we figured out a way to solve it. It's not finished. You know, we know that like new ingredients will come out, new research will come out. We'll do more research on our products. We'll learn more. Um, and that will really help us continue to make a better product. And I think that's another thing that sets us apart from these bigger brands they don't care about that anymore. They're not trying to change with the times. They're not trying to change with the latest research and the newest great ingredients out there that could be a great addition to their product, but they won't do it because it would be expensive. Um, so I think like we come at it from a very innovative perspective, and that's why it's so fun to be a startup. Um, but basically, in the beginning, before before all of that, um, you know, after Emily and I met at NYU, we started working on the product. Like Emily said, we did a pilot test. And that pilot test was really a, like a turning point for us because we realized it worked. We had people sending us in their continuous glucose monitor data. So we knew it was keeping their blood sugar stable and not just people who had normal blood sugar responses. We had people with diabetes and people with prediabetes, people with PCOS sending in a stable response, which is just so much harder because their bodies, my body in the past, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't respond to insulin the same way as a normal body. So very, very comforting to know that, yes, it works. And then we launched with two more flavors. And our flavors, if you haven't seen them yet, is for the listeners, is um, (laughs) they're innovative. They're fun. We're using real food ingredients that you know and and have heard of, but have amazing benefits that you might not get in your daily life, like cinnamon and turmeric. Um, And if you've been watching any of like the Blue Zone stuff, like these are some of the ingredients that those cultures are constantly eating, which mm-hmm. really helps. Um, and things that, again, over time things, things like inflammation, it's not like an easy trackable thing, but you'll notice over time things will change. And and I definitely think taking, taking photos of yourself is a really great way to track this. Like Emily and I have this crazy photo of me from like when we first started, or no, it must have been even like a year before we started when I was still at my like cortisol high, um, inflammation high, where my face is just so inflamed. And you don't think about that when you think about like inflammation, like, oh, bloating maybe or weight gain maybe. But like my face was just puffy um, from all the inflammation and kind of like seeing the difference was really confirming in a lot of ways of like, you know, inflammation is, is, is hard. It's hard to track, but it is really the root of so many illnesses. Um, and it's one of those things that builds up. So I think that that's a little side note on why the products are awesome. Um, but we basically since then have, you know, run a clinical trial, worked with the medical advisory board. We're working on new flavors. We're working on, you know, making our flavors even better uh, and also more research to really like zero in on can we innovate even more? Um, like what else can we include that has been working for people that people really like and also still only choose natural ingredients. So like Mm -hmm. right now we're considering things like flax seeds and how we can incorporate that because of their benefits. Um, 
and we're just really, yeah, trying to innovate, trying to like improve and also expand so that we can be more accessible in stores because so much harder to like buy something on our website. You're spending, you know, 20 plus dollars on a product that you've never heard of or never tried versus being able to find us in a store, buy one and like get a feel for if you want to try a different flavor or you really like that flavor. Um, so testing has been really good there. And we're certainly focused on, on retail as like a big market for us. Um, but I think as far as like how Resist has changed my life, I think like there, again, things that you don't realize, like I, and this is maybe too graphic, but I was not a great pooper before resist because it's very hard to get enough fiber in your diet. Like Mm -hmm. 85% of people don't even get close. And like 95% of people don't get the recommended amount of fiber because it's hard to get the amount that we need, but it will change. It will change your life. It will change your hormones, your gut, like going to the bathroom regularly. That is how you excrete some of your main hormones. And if you don't, they're building up. So if you don't poop two to three times a day, if you only poop once, if sometimes you don't poop, really look into increasing your fiber because in the short term, you're going to see it and, and it's you're going to notice, but in the long term, you're going to feel different and it feels so nice. And like, you don't even realize how good it is to, to poop multiple times a day. <laughs> That's so funny that you like bring up because it's so interesting like how much of a connection like all of our bodies processes have together that we don't even like begin to realize or are educated on and I know you touched on your different flavors and I would love for you just to like tell everybody who's listening that may not be familiar with resist like the different flavors that you have. And Emily, if you want to take this too. (laughs) So we have three flavors. Our first one that we ever launched with it was a variation of this one, um, cinnamon cacao maca, and we love the cinnamon in it. Yeah, there's our sampler pack. Um, we love the cinnamon in it for the blood sugar stability effect, but I guess at the basis, all the bars do have a stable blood sugar response um, because of the ratio of healthy fats, fiber, and protein. So we have cinnamon cacao maca, goji cherry chia, and peanut butter turmeric. And our wrappers are also free of endocrine disrupting chemicals, so nothing leaches into the bar either. That is just so cool like how much you guys have thought of in like every realm of the product and just like how everything really flows well together and I'm curious like we talked through like both of your you know own like wellness journeys with it and with hormones and food and all of that but how has this like entrepreneurial journey changed your self-care practices like I know like I had a big like wellness like push in my life to like do more and take better care of myself during college. And then I started working for myself and kind of lost track of a little bit of it. And now I'm really getting back to it. And I'm curious, like, have you guys dealt with that at all? And how do you balance all of this with still taking care of yourself? It's so hard. It, it is so hard. I think like my number one thing is just like be kind to yourself because mm-hmm. at least for me, I spoke a little bit bit about stress and, and the fight or flight response and how that's always been a problem for me since, from a young age. So I do have a routine. I do have self-care practices, but I often don't do them all or I don't do them at all. Um, and, and that in itself, that's a bummer, but like being kind to myself when I don't get to do them is also really part of my self-care practice of like, you know, I didn't, didn't have an opportunity to hit the gym three times or four times this week, but you know, small successes. I went twice and that's really great. Or, you know, just, just being kind to yourself when you can't do it all. 
Uh, I think like the idealized Instagram, like perfect morning routine is awesome. But I I promise Mm -hmm. even those people are not doing that every single day. And you have off days and that's all right. I think the 20 doesn't make the 80% less important or doesn't like invalidate all that work. Um, So I think as far as like my number one self-care practice, it's just like be kind to yourself, cut yourself some slack. And tomorrow is a new day and you, you can, you can set yourself up for success just by allowing yourself to start over and, and be kind to yourself. Yeah. And then for me, I think this is probably a little different because I am on the West coast now, but for me, it's really just making time for friends that I don't get to see as often. Um, Cause I have my whole routine and everything, but being able to have weekly phone calls with friends just to kind of check out for a second, have a good laugh, catch up with someone you love that you don't get to see has been really helpful just as like a mind refresh. Picking like one easy thing to do a day. Sorry to interrupt. Picking like one easy thing like that I can be like, oh, I did one wellness thing at least, which is like the Brazil nut, one Brazil nut a day. And my uh, starting the day with a big glass of water, which Emily taught me to do that, um, that will also change my day to, to start that way. And and if I think if you start it right and have like something easy that you can do, it feels like a big success versus like a very strict um, five to nine before you're nine to five. I think, you know, that's tough. That's tough to accomplish all of it and feel really good versus the smaller habits that you can build up over time. Absolutely. I think it's funny that both of the like tips that you guys said are two things that I've heard from two past guests. And one of them was like, this idea of like just doing enough, like just doing what like you are capable to do in that day and like just by doing enough and, you know, maybe it's just like one Brazil nut or it's like just going for a walk or whatever it is or, you know, two workouts instead of four a week. It's like those like small things do and have such a major impact on our mental and physical health than like pushing and stressing ourselves to like be perfect and do all these things. And then this idea of like being kind to ourselves, which seems like something that we would just like naturally be able to do. But I know I've experienced and I'm sure other people have experienced as well. It's quite a difficult thing to do. And on the topic of advice, if you guys had to give a piece of advice each or together of, you know, just based on our conversation of hormone journeys and learning to like eat better and have better products around you and, you know, being kind to yourself, what do you, what would it be? I think for me, it's not just going to be one piece of advice. I think it's very unique to this time period that everyone is different. Don't believe everything you see off social media and TikTok. Use that as like a platform to help educate yourself and then do your own diving Um, and don't buy every supplement on the market. And I, I think really just starting with the food that you're putting in your body focusing on the fiber, the protein, the healthy fats, the vegetables, and really just starting there. I I think it can seem overwhelming, but if you find like two or three recipes you love, nail those down, have a go-to breakfast. Like I love having my breakfast every day. I'm so excited to eat it. And just getting comfortable with the food that you're eating. I think you'll feel such a difference in yourself, how your body feels, how you're thinking, how your skin looks. I think that's just a really good place to start. And I recognize that it can be overwhelming and challenging, but I think that there are so many ways to make it approachable for yourself. 
Absolutely. I just going off of before I get to your piece of advice, Drew, uh, that idea of it being like overwhelming. I remember like when I started all this, it was just like so overwhelming that I didn't want to start it. And then somebody told me they're like, well, everything in life can be overwhelming if you frame it a certain way, but like find ways to like shift your perspective to make it attainable. And maybe that's only, you know, working on one part of your health or maybe one period of time is like just getting more protein and then you move into getting more fats. Like it doesn't have to be everything all at once. And I think that really helped me kind of like jump over like this fear that I had of like having to switch everything. Yeah. It's not all going to happen at once. And that's not, if you do dive in with everything at once, that's not sustainable. You're going to get hit of fatigue really quickly. So just bringing in those habits, making them a routine, making them your lifestyle becomes your lifestyle. It's not just a new trend that you're partaking in. Absolutely. Yeah. And my piece of advice really does fall into all of that and is really for the people like me who busy, busy, busy people who really need a plan. And um, I'm definitely the type to have like every hour mapped out um, because otherwise I find it very hard to stop what I'm doing and move on Mm -hmm. to a new task. Um, And Emily knows this. I will like get completely derailed in our meetings and like, she's like, what are you talking about? Like I need context. (laughs) Um, so something that has really been a game changer for me is like literally setting a time on my calendar for 10 minutes of meditation. Otherwise I literally will not do it. And it is such a game changer. Like it just changes, especially when you're like me and you, you know, have your lunch at your desk and you, Mm -hmm. you don't really stop doing something for eight hours is literally impossible without a little break or two or three. Um, so having it marked off to just like, I'm going to do a little meditation right now, um, has been a huge game changer for me and has definitely been something I've, it's, it's no, no guilt, no, like, oh, I should be working on this or I should be doing that. Or, oh, I have so much on my plate. We're so busy. It's like, I live in New York. It's a classic New York (laughs) thing to say. Um, but being able to just mark it off and say, no, this is what I planned to do. This is the task. Um, makes it so much easier to just say yes to yourself. And I feel like the idea of saying yes to yourself is is so important. And when that comes to self-care, when it comes to food, when it comes to the things that you want to do, but maybe you don't feel good about it, like say yes to yourself. It's okay. Like it's okay to eat the cookie if you want the cookie. Like that one cookie doesn't mean anything about the whole rest of your day or life. Like it's just a cookie and you want it and mm-hmm. it feels good. And like, that's okay. And let's move on. And I think same thing with, with kind of including healthy fats and fiber. It's like, say, say yes to, to the things that you like. Like Emily said, find those recipes that include the things, but taste really good. And then meal prep those ingredients and put them away and combine them in fun ways. And like, it's, it's an overwhelming thing when it's not fun, make it fun, Absolutely. make it easy. And then it becomes more of a lifestyle. That's such a good like piece of advice and I feel like a way to really sum up our whole conversation is like find ways for all of this to work for you and find ways to make it fun for all of you. And you talking about mapping out your schedule makes me think I always map out a break for myself in the afternoon to like have a little snack, to like wind down, to kind of turn my brain off for a moment. And I'm curious what would be on both of your like dream snack plates. You know, maybe it's like based around a resist bar. Maybe it just it is a resist bar. Like what is on that plate? Oh my God. I'm an olive girl right now. I've just turned into such an olive person. I like wasn't going to do this, but I literally have like 
a thing of olives like right next to me that I just got at Whole Foods. And I have like these reusable, oh my God, I have these like reusable toothpicks that I got because I love them so much and like probably shouldn't eat as many olives as I currently do. But I'm one of those people who has like a hyper fixation food. Mm-hmm. So it, it rotates. It's olives right now. Um, I, love that. I wouldn't say like it's my like, what? <laughs> I always like, oh, you're so weird. You are so weird. Um, yeah, it's olives. I, I have no no justification for this. It's not not like for health food reason at all. I just love them. Okay, I fully respect it. What about you, Emily? I mean, mine's usually a resist for, which I, it's probably a bit of a cop out answer. But um, this is interesting. The I haven't had dairy in years, like over ten years, and then so crazy. My roommate had a cottage cheese, and I got the most random craving for cottage cheese. Previously, I would have fought that off. And I was like, you know what? Like, my body's craving it. Let's try it. This must mean something. I got it. So now I'm in my cottage cheese era. <laughs> I, I love that it. you say that because I just talked to somebody earlier this week. And they were like, I can't stop eating cottage cheese. And I was talking to her, her and her back. sister. Yes. It and- was like a health and wellness like trend prediction for 2024. And they were like, cottage cheese is making a comeback. <laughs> so I said to my roommate, I want to make one thing clear. This is a cottage cheese apartment. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I And it's funny you said you got a random craving because I was like sitting here. I like just gone grocery shopping and I was like trying to find a snack. And I was like, why? Why do I want cottage cheese? I haven't had cottage cheese in like years. And I remember my mom was like trying to push it on me when I was a kid, like classic 90s mother. And I was like, ah, this stuff sucks. And then I was talking to somebody about it. And then I was like, why do I want cottage cheese so badly now? So I guess it really is a trend for 2024. It like literally <laughs> came out of nowhere. I could not tell you, but I highly recommend it. Well, I love that. And that's just like such a good way to like show that like honoring your cravings and honoring your body is so important and can lead to like happiness and new discoveries and, and things like that. And I feel like that's just like a great way to kind of sum up what we were talking about. Yes, love that. Yeah. And so I would love for you both to just share where people can find you, where they can find Resist and Shop and all the in-between. Yes. You can find us online uh, at eatresist.com and on all social platforms at Eat Resist. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on and just sharing all of your knowledge and your experiences and your journeys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for listening to the Dear Citrus Diaries podcast hosted by me, Lauren Hodgen. Be sure to subscribe to our Substack and follow along on Instagram and TikTok to stay in the know, discover recipes, and so much more. Find everything linked in the show notes below, and I'll catch you next Monday at 7 a.m.